Well, last week, a billion Christians, including us, celebrated with all our might that Jesus is alive. <laughs> He's back from the dead. And I don't know how they do it in other places, but here we danced, we sang. Even us state Anglicans, we danced, right? <laughs> we sang, we shouted, we rang bells. Death is defeated, our sin is forgiven, we live forever with Christ. Hallelujah. And then we woke up on uh, Monday, <laughs> and the laundry was still unfolded. <laughs> the bills still came. Strained relationships in our lives are still strained. So what difference does Easter make in your day-to-day -day life and in mine? What exactly does it change for us? I, it would be nice if Easter ushered in something like this story from the uh, satirical news site, The Onion. Man gets life in order for 36 minutes. <laughs> Briefly overcoming a near-continuous streak of disorganization, area man Terry Oberlin got his life together for exactly 36 minutes, sources confirmed Monday. The crucial worry-free period reportedly began at 7.50 when Oberlin took the garbage out to the curb and then returned to the house where his back, which had been bothering him all day, finally cracked back into alignment. Upon entering his kitchen, he spotted a month-old magazine sitting on the counter and dropped it in the recycling. At that precise moment, Oberlin achieved a state of total order in his life. <laughs> and Easter doesn't give us that. <laughs> but what does it give us for living day by day? Think about that for a moment. I don't know what you would say. Well, uh, as we think about the answers to that question, and I'm sure there are many, uh, there's probably no better place to start than to see what does Jesus say to his followers when he first meets them after he comes back? The world is different now. How does he orient them to it? And uh, that first Easter, when he does meet them, it turns out that he comes back from the dead bringing them gifts. It's like he's been on a trip, and now he's coming back to people he loves, and he, he remembers them with a gift. In fact, uh, several. I, I call uh, gifts that are going to change their day-to-day -day lives and change ours. So I call this two gifts Jesus wants you to have. Now, astute readers will notice in the bulletin there were three gifts in one early plan I had. I even had four gifts sketched out, all perfectly alliterated. Hello, alliteration, always awesome. Um, but uh, for the sake of time, we're going to do two. All right. And as we do, I want you to just think, which of these two gifts do I most need in my life right now? Okay? Here's the first one. Let's look at John 20 and verse 19. That Sunday evening what today we would call Easter, uh, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Well, yeah, right, they're afraid. Three days ago, Jesus was arrested and tortured. And two days ago, he was killed in a brutal and the most shameful way they can concoct. And now that the police have gotten the ringleader, they're coming after the ring. And the ring is every single person in that room. 
They can't deny the connection. So they're hunkered down, they're hiding, they're scared, and they've got the doors locked. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Wow. <laughs> like, wait, there's somebody there who looks like Jesus. <laughs> How did he get in? Those doors are locked. I didn't see a door open, did you? No, no door opened. How did he get in here? Well, the last time they saw Jesus, they ran away. They denied him. They uh, let him get killed instead of trying to defend him in some way. And he might readily say to them, you cowards, you dirty rats, where were you when I needed you? But this is what Jesus says to them instead. Peace be with you. Peace. And he repeats it again. He says, peace be with you. I think Jesus repeats it because he knows just how scared his followers are. And he really wants them to hear and take in, you can have peace. And he wants us to hear it too. In whatever place you are locked in tonight and in a place of feeling scared, Jesus comes to you and he says to you, peace be with you. You can have peace because now I live forever. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and side. How remarkable. Somebody's alive showing you his death wounds. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Because by showing them his wounds as someone who's very much alive, Jesus is saying, the world's different now. I changed it, and I changed it for you. Death is no longer the end. It wasn't for me, and it's not going to be for you. What that means, and since I'm alive now forever, I'm always with you. You're so scared right now. But I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always to the end of the world. They might arrest you, and they did. They might threaten to kill you, and they did, many of these apostles. But here's the difference. I can tell you from my experience, graves are just things you walk out of. I walked out of mine, and you're going to walk out of yours. This is radical, friends. This truly is. In our lives, we all, just being human, naturally feel fear. Because we know anything valuable in our life, anything precious to us, could be taken away. We know that. We could lose our job. We could lose that person we really love, a, a friend or a spouse or a child. We could lose our life savings. We could lose our health. As somebody with Parkinson's, I know I could lose the ability to walk or the ability to think, clearly. And into this kind of world, this very frightening world, Jesus comes to you wherever you're locked down in fear and he says, peace be with you. That's my gift. That's the gift I want you to have. This is exactly what Jesus promised them three days ago. 
Here's what he said. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a world is a peace the world can't give you. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. And now the peace that he has promised, he delivers. He hand delivers it. As Fred McBeekner says, because Jesus rose from the dead, the worst thing is never the last thing. Whatever you're fearing, that's not the last thing in God. Resurrection is the last thing in God. Life eternal is the last thing in God. Glory is the last thing in God. Some, and, and, and knowing that offers us peace in a new way. Some years ago, I was, I was riding a jet ski, uh, a friend's, and I grabbed the throttle and I pulled back as hard as I could. I just went full throttle. And I started picking up speed. So I was like 20, 25, 30 knots, 35, 40. I was somewhere over 40. And right then I noticed this boat wake at an angle. And uh, I was not at the right angle to hit it. And it was pretty high wake. So I hit it at an angle. And the next thing I knew, I felt this slam on the head. And then I realized I'm wet. And then I realized... I'm underwater. Like it took a few seconds for all of that to click back in because I was jarred from the impact. And I swam, of course, back up to the surface. But as I got back on the jet ski, I, I started getting this intense, dull, heavy headache. And I felt nauseated. And I felt a little dazed. But I thought, this will just go away. Well, that night, as I tried to lie down to sleep and I, turned, I laid my head down on the pillow, I had this sense that I was going under the water again. It was obviously a post-traumatic response, and, which I know now, I, but all I knew was I was terrified. I had this sensation, if I go to sleep, I will drown. Which I know doesn't make sense, but it did to me. And I jerked awake, and the adrenaline was just pumping. So then, of course, I couldn't get back to sleep. And I'd, I'd lie awake and tell myself, this is silly, and try to get my rational mind to do what it's supposed to do, and it was not really working. So the same thing happened the next day, and the next, I would sit out on the sofa between about 2 and about 4.30, wrapped in a blanket, and uh, just not doing well. So I finally realized I, I needed to see some medical help, and... Uh, I went to the ER, and um, the ER people talked to me about uh, post-concussive syndrome, which can happen after a head injury for about a third of people who have a head injury, which, uh, to quote Mayo here, in addition to headache and dizziness, these symptoms may include insomnia, irritability, restlessness, inability to concentrate, depression, or personality changes such as moodiness. And that was my life. So I went to the ER, and they put me in a bay, and I was there alone. And I was sitting in one of those stupid hospital gowns where <laughs> any semblance of dignity and control is completely gone. So I'm feeling half-naked but wholly vulnerable. And in that moment... I had what, for me, in following Jesus for 40-some years, was the strongest appearance of Christ that I've had. 
I did not see him physically, to be clear, but it would not have been more real to me if I had. I had the sense that Jesus was right here with his hand on my shoulder, and I knew I was going to be okay. Um, and and I did, it turns out I was. As Beekner says, the worst thing is not the last thing. Uh, with meds and some rest, I took some weeks off work and some prayer. I gradually recovered. And now I really treasure how when I was locked in fear, Jesus found his way somehow inside that locked room and said, peace be with you. So friends, in your life right now, what is it you're, you're scared of? Where, where are you fearing? Because I want to just assure you, Jesus is alive. He's back. He, and he comes to you and he has a gift, a gift he wants you to have, a gift he promised you to have, and he says, it's my peace. It's a different kind of peace than you can get anywhere else. Jesus, when we are scared, gives us peace. It's a beautiful thing. Well, if peace is one amazing gift the reason Jesus wants us to have, here's a second, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. We've talked about that. But what I want to point out here is the disciples, they're not going anywhere. They're going nowhere. They are stuck. It's like they just drove the truck of their life into some kind of brick wall. Um, they gave up their jobs. And they spent three years following this rabbi around. And, and they thought he was it, and now he's been killed. And it's done. They don't have a plan. They don't have a plan B. They have no purpose. This is why unemployment can be so shattering, right? Because it can leave you in a place of disorientation. You're like, well, what's my plan? I wasn't planning on this. What's my purpose? Uh, divorce can do that to people. So can losing a spouse, especially if you were caregiving for that spouse. And, but it's in places just like this where we are like the disciples and we're stuck and we don't know what our life is really about now, the risen Jesus comes to you right there and he says, I have a purpose for you. Look at verse 21. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, there are places I need you to go. There are prayers I need you to pray. There are people to love that I'm assigning to you. I need you. And so that they and we can begin to even carry out these assignments, then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them. I picture Jesus like going around the room one at a time, just looking this person in the eyes. And just a little, little exhale. And all of a sudden, they are breathing in the breath of God in their lungs. They're being given a new Holy Spirit power, which, of course, comes in its fullness on Pentecost. 
It's as if Jesus is saying to them and to you and to me, I'm giving you the living presence of God. So when you go on my mission, you're going as my representative. You are my ambassador. You represent me. Now think what this means. Imagine yourself walking into a family gathering. Some of you are happy as you're thinking about that. Some of you, your stomach is clutching. <laughs> okay. But now, when you walk into that family gathering, Jesus walks in. Jesus walks in. Because you just walked in. So where, depending on your family, where there's talking over each other, you can deeply listen. Because Jesus deeply listens to people. Right? Where somebody needs to speak the truth because it hasn't been spoken and there's this ginormous elephant that everybody knows and nobody can name, suddenly you have a courage that wasn't yours. You don't know where it came from. It came from Jesus. He's saying, I'm sending you and I'm giving you the power to do what you need to do. When somebody in the, in the family's being left out and you notice that, you move toward them because Jesus moves toward people on the margins. That's where he likes to go. When dishes need to be washed up, you grab a towel because Jesus knows what to do with a towel. Your life, friends, and mine has been elevated by the risen Jesus. Now, your life may be plain. Most people's are. In fact, Paul says, make it your mind, uh, mind up to live a, just kind of a plain, quiet life. That's good but now it has purpose. Your life may feel to you mundane, but now it's infused with the Lord's majesty. Now to me, the purpose that Jesus gives us when we follow him is one of the coolest things about Christianity, and I think it's way under told or recognized. Because people are hungry for purpose. We're all hungry for our lives to matter. We want them to mean something and to do something. And Jesus says, I'm sending you. Just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you and I'm filling you with my spirit. So when you go, you're going in the power of God. We've got to have purpose in our lives. And Jesus says, you, you do. In the history of business, one of the most famous stories is how Steve Jobs recruited John Scully. For those of you who might remember back this far, there was a marketing campaign called the Pepsi Challenge. Anybody old enough to remember the Pepsi Challenge? Yes, okay. And he created that, Scully did. And on the back of that and other pretty amazing things, uh, as head of their marketing, at age 37, he became Pep Pepsi's youngest ever president. And meanwhile, Apple at the time was this bumpy, awkward startup really didn't know quite what it was doing yet. And they knew that. And that, the people at Apple realized, we need like a real president. Like Steve's a great inventor, but we need like a real president. And so somebody with business background who's going to make us look stable and actually be stable. So they, they said, let's try to get Scully. Which was kind of a laugh. No, it was a laugh. Steve Jobs went to talk with him and try to get him to come. But here was the offer. I can give you only way less money than you're currently making. Tons less prestige. Nobody's heard of Apple. Everybody's heard of Pepsi. Oh, and, and by the way, there's uh, a lot less security. 
It's a startup. Pepsi's been around forever. Okay, so it might not work out for you. What do you think? So Scully just told him flat out, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You expect me to leave one of the largest companies in the world, Pepsi, to go with a company that started in your garage? And Jobs looks back at him and says, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come with me and change the world? Everybody needs purpose. And they will pay a premium for purpose. Scully took the deal. And today, I checked this week, Apple is 10 times the market cap of Pepsi. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel stuck in your work? Do you feel stuck in your lack of work? feel stuck in your family situation, you feel stuck where you're living, listen, no matter who you are or what you're doing, Jesus is sending you. Every single Christian is sent. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a sent person. Now, what I've learned over the years, sometimes when I've felt super stuck and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or where I was supposed to be going, and I was getting kind of restless like a caged animal, um, is that sometimes Jesus would send me on to a new place. But you know what he'd also do sometimes is he'd send me to the exact place I was in, but with a new way of being there. Either way, he's sending you. So where, do you, where are you being sent or where have you been sent? If you're not sure, one great way to, to figure this out is to think about which people do I really care about? Like, which people am I assigned to love? Who am I assigned to love? Dan Meyer, the pastor over at Christ Church Oak Brook, he tells about an elderly woman he knew who lived alone in a small apartment but near a large university. And she began thinking about this question of like, who's around me? Like, who am I drawn to? Who could I serve? And the people who really tugged at her heartstrings were the people who came to the university from far away, especially international students. And she thought, man, they're so far from home and they're completely alone and they're in this strange new culture. That's got to be so hard. And her heart went out to them. So what she did was she got a stack of three by fives and she wrote on each one, are you feeling homesick? Come for a cup of tea. On, I forget what day it was, four o'clock p.m. for afternoon tea. And this to me sounds like a terrible security idea, but she put her like address on it. So every day she'd get tea ready or the days that she did this, she'd get the tea ready. Some days nobody would come. Some days more people would come. You know, and it was different every day. But pe uh, students started trickling in. And when she died 10 years later, there were 80 honorary pallbearers at her memorial. Every one of them was a student who was lonely, didn't, felt alone, and found home and a welcome and a hot cup of tea in her apartment. Friends, I don't know what your assignment may be. It might be small, probably be daily, probably often seem insignificant, 
but because the risen Jesus sends you to do it in the power of the Spirit, it has meaning. And that gives your life purpose. Jesus is alive. And he's here for his followers. And he comes bringing gifts. I wonder which of these you need tonight. If you are scared, he gives you the gift of peace. And if you are stuck, he gives you the gift of purpose. Amen.